Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. We are in a series called Unmet Expectations. In the first week of this series, we looked at our unmet expectations and our circumstances and how our God can redeem them. How many of you are thankful God can redeem our circumstances? Amen? Okay. The other 200 of you will catch on here in a minute. The second week, Pastor Andrew taught us how to deal with our unmet expectations in people. How many of you have ever had unmet expectations in people? Let me see your hands. Don't point. Don't point. There you go. Good. Last week, we looked at the unmet expectations that we sometimes have in ourselves. How many of you have ever disappointed yourself? I have. I have. And today, we will end this series with what can be the most devastating disappointment that there is, the unmet expectations that we have in our God. Is it really well with your soul? Because sometimes it's going to feel like God may let you down. A few years ago, Pastor Andrew and I had the opportunity to travel to Colorado to visit New Life Church, which is a mega church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Our purpose there was to explore some programming that we thought would be beneficial to our church, and we still believe that it will be, just the timing is horrible with coronavirus and the way that, that this programming is going to work, because it, it, it all flows around fellowship and groups of people, and, and, uh, but we'll get there one day, I know that we will, but at, at the end of the week, I, I stayed there in Colorado Springs to experience a Sunday morning worship service. Um, Pastor Andrew had already been to a service there. Uh, when he was in Colorado for a wedding. And so he had experienced the programming firsthand. And so I stayed behind. Pastor Andrew flew home to preach here. And after that Sunday morning service, I was speaking with Glenn Packiam, who was one of the teaching pastors. He has no idea who I am. I just had an opportunity to, to spend a little bit of time talking with him. And uh, one of the staff members that I knew there uh, set it up to where we could have a conversation. And so after he preached that morning, we were having a conversation. He said, when do, you, when do you fly back to Florida? And I said, well, I leave tomorrow morning. And he said, well, have you been to the top of Pikes Peak yet? And I said, no, I haven't. And I said, to be honest with you, I'm not crazy about heights. You know, things like that don't really scare me, but um, I, I, I wasn't really keen on going to the top of Pikes Peak. And he says, you have to. He said, you don't want to come to Colorado Springs without going to the top of Pikes Peak. You need to do it. He said, you can drive right up. And, uh, and, and so after lunch that day with my friend and, and the staff member there at the time, John Plotner, um, I drove my rented car to the top of Pikes Peak, 14,115 feet above sea level. Let me say that again, 14,115 feet above sea level. It was 30 degrees cooler at the top of the mountain than it was at the bottom of the mountain. I did not need a coat at the, at the bottom. At the top, I needed a coat. And you can see this picture here. This was actually on the way back down the mountain. I pulled over because I saw this guy sitting on this ledge with his dog. And I just thought, that's crazy. <laughs> that's nuts right there. And um, I, I can tell you this, that the drive up scared the living daylights out of me because I... I'm, I, don't, I just don't deal with heights very well. And there was a lot of big, sharp turns that did not have guardrails, which is the dumbest thing. Why would you let anybody drive up this mountain, especially some kid from Florida that grew up driving in Florida? I, I should not be driving up this mountain. And uh, it, it was scary, especially when I'm driving and I'm, all of a sudden I'm driving through a cloud. I was as high as the cloud, y'all. 
It scared me. I mean, I, was, I, I had to roll down my window hoping to get some fresh air because I was, about, I was about to hyperventilate. I am not exaggerating. It scared me. You can ask my wife. I told her later on the phone, I was like, I thought I was going to pass out. And I, that's what I was picturing. You know, pastor dies driving off the cliff, you know. And I'm just thinking, you know, this picture here is just proof that I actually did go up to the top. 14,115 feet above sea level. Um, but on the, the drive up, I, I had, you know, just, just this fear. But once I reached the top, it was just spectacular. I was not disappointed. The view from the top was breathtaking. On one side, I could see the, the flat lands to the east. And on the other side, I could see the, the great smoky mountains to the west. And I was, I was in the clouds. It was just amazing. And I'm not sure what I expected on the drive up, but I was not disappointed once I got there. Church, we all love those, those mountaintop experiences where we feel the tangible presence of God in our everyday situations. We love that. When we have those moments in life, it is so refreshing to us when we know that God is with us in that moment, in that storm, in that situation. When we see the hand of God move, it just brings just, just life into us, and, 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 and it builds our faith. There, there are these faith-building moments that... that, that we experience in life, and, and those are those mountaintop experiences, you know, when there's, there's food of choice on the table. I, I intentionally said food of choice, not what you had to grab out of the pantry because it's all you had. We've been there. But no, you get to eat for dinner what you want to eat for dinner. Like you intentionally bought this, for, you get to eat that T-bone because you intentionally bought that T-bone for dinner. You know, when the mortgage is paid and there's no worries, there's actually a little bit of leftover money, that, that's a mountaintop experience for us. It's a faith-building moment. When, when the vehicles are all running in perfect condition and, and no vehicles are in need of repair, that, that's a good moment. It's a faith-building moment. When there is enough money to buy not just the needs but also some of the wants, that's a good time. That, that, is a, that is a moment when you're like, man, I see the hand of God on my life. I, I trust him in this. When everyone in the house is in good health, when everyone in the house is getting alone. Is that not a faith-building moment, parents? When everybody is getting alone? When you pull up to the mall parking lot and there's a parking spot right up near the front door? It's a mountaintop experience. It's what my wife calls favor. <laughs> favor. How many of you know favor ain't fair, y'all, right? Favor ain't fair. You know that, right? It rains on the just and the unjust. How many of you also know that favor ain't forever? Oh, you want to amen me when I say favor ain't fair, but you don't like this, do you? Favor ain't forever. Sometimes you're in a season of feast and sometimes you're in a season of famine. And very seldom do we ever get to just stay in a season of feast. There's, there, it's, it's the ebbs and flows. It just happens in life. Favor isn't always frequent. Sometimes you go through a long season of drought before you see favor. And favor certainly is not always found. You can look for it all that you want to. But when you need it the most, you don't feel like God's hand of favor is being poured out on your life. Man, if I ended this right now, you would all go home depressed, wouldn't you? <laughs> life is full of opportunities for us to be disappointed in God. Some of you are scared to death right now. You're like, Pastor, it's raining outside right now. You're saying that we have moments where we're disappointed in God and we don't want to be this close to you right now. 
life is just full. I mean, if, if we're, I'm just saying what some of you think, but you don't say it out loud. Life is full of moments to be disappointed in God, a prayer that, didn't, that God did not answer the way that we expected him to. It just didn't happen. A job that was lost. We prayed, but we lost the job anyway, or a promotion that we wanted and we didn't get. A relationship that failed, a marriage that did not succeed, a healing that didn't occur, and the worst tragedy of all is a loved one's salvation that wasn't experienced. These are moments we find disappointment in our God. And sometimes it seems as though God was either delayed, distracted, or he simply denied. Like he just said, no, I'm not doing that for you. The answer is no. And whatever the case is, as I said in week one of this, this series, these unmet expectations can lead to resentment and, and even resentment towards God. And some of you know that I'm talking to you right now because you've got that resentment in your life right now. You see, the most powerful weapon, church, that we have of our belief system as Christians can also be the most dangerous for us. It's called faith. It's the most powerful weapon that we have in our Christian walk. But man, if we don't understand it, having faith and not having prayers answered the way that we want them to be answered can be devastating to us. But scripture time and time again tells us how we are to operate by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So it encourages us. Don't, don't go by your surroundings and what you see. You walk by faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. How about Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make, your, 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 make straight your paths. So we are to trust in God. We're told time and time again that we are to have faith and that faith can change the outcome of the situation. I mean, with faith just the size of a mustard seed, mountains can be moved. And we're, so we're told to operate in faith. And faith is this powerful weapon when it lines our will up with God's will. But when we pray and he answers, we feel like we can conquer the world. The faith levels are high in those moments. But when we pray and he answers, or when we pray and the outcome does not match what we want it to look like, we develop these unmet expectations that they steal our faith in God. They steal away our faith. I've made this statement before, but I think I need to tell you this again so that you can be reminded, but, but Satan does not want your marriage. I know you think that Satan is out to destroy your marriage, and he is, but he doesn't want your marriage. He doesn't want to be married to your wife. He doesn't want to be married to your husband. You don't want to be married to her sometimes, but no, let's keep moving. Satan does not want your marriage. He does not want your wife. He does not want your, your husband. Satan does not want your children. He does not want your job. He does not want your house. He does not want your car. Satan wants your faith. Satan is out to destroy your faith. He wants to steal your faith away from you because he understands the scripture. And Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if he can steal your faith away from you, then it is impossible for you to please God. And so he's out to steal your faith. That's what he wants. He wants to discourage you to the point to where you will not put your faith in God Almighty. And so through disappointment and unmet expectations, Satan tries to steal that faith. 
And there are people right now in this room, there are people here right now that you once vowed that you would never step foot back in a church ever again because God disappointed you. Well, welcome home because you're in good company. Because he's disappointed me this month. Some people are heading for the doors right now. They're like, I really don't want to be near this guy. The Bible is full of people who experience disappointment in God. Jonah ex expressed his disappointment in God for the mercy that God showed towards the city of Nineveh. They were such a wicked people that Jonah felt like the world would be better without them. That's why he ran. That's why he did not want to go to Nineveh. He wasn't afraid of public speaking. He didn't like them. They were an evil people. And so he just thought the world would be better without them. And so it disappointed him. He was disappointed in God when God wanted to show his grace and mercy towards them. So it tells me, be careful on who you're hating on right now because God just might start a revival with them. You'll get that one on the ride home. Mary and Martha were disappointed in God when their brother Lazarus died. We know in John 11 and 21, the Bible says that Martha said to Jesus, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Later on, when he gets to Mary, the Bible says she falls at her knees, and she says the same thing. She echoes what her sister says, and she says, Lord, if you just would have been here, my brother would not have died. That's disappointment in God. That's someone that's even brave enough to say it to his face. I'm disappointed in the outcome of this situation because you let me down. Or how about the disciples on the road to Emmaus that expressed their disappointment in the death of Christ? In, in Luke 24 and 21, it says, but we had hoped that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was going to be the one. But they're walking in such disappointment with their God as they go down that road. And, and when we live to see the reason behind the why, it seems to make sense to us. If, if we can just get to the end of that scenario, if we can just get to the end of that story, when we get to the end, it will finally make sense because when we see the revival that overtakes the city of Nineveh, it, 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 it clicks. When we see the resurrection and the life operate in Lazarus as he comes forth out of a tomb, we get it. When our eyes are open and we realize that, that it was Jesus, it wasn't a stranger, it was Jesus walking with us the whole time on the road to Emmaus. He wasn't dead. He was alive and he was right here with us. And when we get to see those moments, when we get to see uh, the, the witness of his grace, it, it seems to soothe the pain. It, it makes it worth it. It makes it worth going through the battle, going through that moment when we get to see it. But what about those moments when we don't see his goodness and his mercy? I know sometimes I, I read the Bible and, and, and if, if I'm not in the right frame of mind, which sometimes I'm not, I, I'm human. And I read where surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And, and I read it and I'm like, yeah, but when I took a right, surely and goodness, they took a left. Where are they right now? Because it doesn't feel like they're following very close to me. And I don't need them following me. I need them right here. I need them right beside. I need, I need surely on one side and goodness on the other side. Because if I'm going to make it through this week, they've got to help me get through this. I could have picked a... a Probably a better text today that showed God's power exemplified in spite of our unmet expectations. But the truth is, sometimes God just doesn't meet our expectations. And if we're going to end this series the right way, and if we're going to be very practical with this, then we need to learn to deal with this disappointment. What do we do? 
when God does not meet our expectations. Turn with me to John, I'm sorry, to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 2 and 3 first, and then I'll come back and pick it back up at verse 4 in just a few moments. Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse 2. It reads, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? It's a very honest question. You see, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, finds himself in prison because he openly confronted King Herod because Herod married his, his brother's wife. And, and John knew it was wrong. And, and, and John, John was a very bold man. He, he would say what was, was on his mind. And, and, and John spoke up and he said, this isn't right. And they, they didn't care for John too much anyway. John had a huge following of, of people, of disciples that, that listened to his teaching. And John was teaching different than any other rabbi had ever taught. He was talking about some kingdom that's coming. And, and that the Messiah would be here soon. And that he was preparing the way for this, for this Messiah. Now I'm going to forewarn you that this will not end well for John. It's not going to end well. It's just not. I mean, like I said, I could pick a better text that would probably be more faith building for you today, but this doesn't end well for John. Don't lose your head over it because he does. John loses his, he is beheaded in prison. He will not see daylight. He will not get out from behind this prison cell, behind these bars. He will not see daylight. He is going to eventually be beheaded right there. There was no one that believed in Jesus more than John. Before they were born, John leapt in his mother's womb is what the Bible tells us. His mother being Elizabeth, when Mary walked into the room and she was pregnant with Jesus, John, the spirit that was in him, recognized that the Messiah had walked in the room and the Bible says he leapt within his mother's womb. John was that prophet that, that was crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. He believed in him, and he was willing to preach about him in preparation for him to come. John saw Jesus walking one day, and he made this bold statement. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Bold statement, and he points at Jesus and says, this is the one. This is the Lamb of God. This is the one that's going to redeem us. This is the one that will forgive us for our sins. You know, the word disappointment means a feeling of dissatisfaction when one's hopes, desires, and expectations fail to come to pass. Have you ever been there? And I have. When God somehow fails to satisfy our hopes or does not live up to our expectations, this disappointment inevitably follows. It just, it, it, it's going to be there. And I have hope because even Jesus experienced disappointment. When Lazarus died, when Jesus heard the word, when he, when, when he heard that, that Lazarus was dead, the Bible says that Jesus wept. That's disappointment. That's a deep hurt showing a very human side of our Messiah. At the end of his ministry, when Peter, James, and John kept falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus expressed his disappointment in them. He, he knew what it was like to feel that disappointment. When he felt alone while he was hanging on a cross at Calvary, he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
You don't think there's disappointment in that? When God the Father turned his back on the sin, our sin, not his sin, he was a man that knew no sin, but because he took on our sin and God could not stand to face it, when when God turned his back on him, he said, why are you forsaking me? This is one of the the, the most painful things that a, a human could ever go through. Why are you leaving me here in this moment when I need you the most? And Jesus experienced disappointment in his own life. Church, I'm going to tell you something that that is profound if you'll grab this. Be disappointed with Jesus. He's been there. Be disappointed with Jesus, but don't be disappointed in Jesus. Learn to be disappointed with him. He's experienced it. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're going through. But we've got to learn to not be disappointed in him. Even when it feels like he is slaying me. Even when he's not answering my prayers. Even when I feel like he's a million miles away. Don't be disappointed in Jesus. Because you can't be in Jesus and not have hope. You see, that's what we have. We have hope. Listen, if, if something happened, and, and, and God forbid, but, but if something happens to me, if, if I don't live to see the end of this day, I always get fearful when I say something like that. It's always like, well, you know, he was just preaching that morning, and he said, if I don't live to see the end of that day, and, and, and he knew it, it, it happened. I don't know it. I don't want it to happen, okay? But understand, if I don't live to see the end of this day, My family will still have hope because of Jesus Christ, because there is a guarantee that there will be a reunion one day. And so though he slay me, yet will I live, yet will I flourish, yet will I see eternity. You can't be in Jesus and not have hope. And I think some of us get confused sometimes in our disappointment, and you have to understand that disappointment with God is not a sin. This can be freeing for you if you allow it to be. Disappointment with God is not, is not a sin. If anything, it's a sign that we believed. It's a sign that we had faith. That, Lord, I got on my knees and I poured my heart out to you because I believe that you can do it and I know that you can, but you didn't do it this time. What's up with that, God? Why am I here struggling right now? Why? And and I think sometimes that we're so afraid to ask God why. And I'll tell you this, God is not afraid of your honest questions. He's not afraid of your whys. And, And I think sometimes we may find peace and in the middle of our discouragement, in the middle of our disappointment, if we'll hit our knees and we'll just be very honest with God, not trying to get all the prayer just right the way it should be with all the these and thous and you know, your, your perfect King James Version prayer. When we just get away from that and we just say, God, it's just me and you right now and I don't get it. I don't understand it. That's when you learn to be disappointed with God, but you're not disappointed in God. And just because the answer is not now or no does not mean that God will never. And just because he didn't fix that relationship does not mean that he won't fix this one. And just because he didn't heal that person does not mean that he will not heal that person. And faith is one of those, those great weapons that we have that sometimes it backfires on us as Christians. And when it does, if we're not careful, it will call more damage and more harm than we ever expected. But you cannot allow the situation to dictate whether or not you're going to put your faith in him. 
Stuck in his prison cell on death row, John receives this message back from Jesus. Remember, he sent word. Are you the Christ? Are you the, or should we keep looking? I, I, I've spent my whole life, since we were little kids, I was preparing the way. I would run to the playground and announce your coming long before you ever showed up. You know, I was preparing the way, all the way. And all this time, I've been believing that you are the Christ. Are you the Christ or should I keep looking? Should we keep looking if, if, if you're not him? And Jesus answers him in verse 4. Says, and he, Jesus answered them. He says, You go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. In other words, John, I am fulfilling everything I said that I would do. The very thing that God Almighty, God the Father, sent me to do, I'm accomplishing that in my life. And just because I'm not busting you out of prison, this time does not make me any less God. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. You might not agree with God. You probably would have done it differently. But don't lose faith because God didn't meet your expectations. Don't let disappointment with God cause you to have low expectations of God. That's the enemy. When God doesn't answer the prayer the way we wanted it answered this time, the enemy will convince you that there's no use praying at any time. Don't let disappointment with God cause you to have low expectations of God. The enemy trying to steal your faith. And when we develop that mindset, it's like throwing in the towel. It's calling it quits. And when you live life that way, you set yourself up for a mediocre life. He said, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And just because I don't answer it this way, this time, the way you think that I need to, don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. You keep on. You persevere. There's a blessing in perseverance. There's, there's something to be said about a person that says, just because I didn't get my way this time does not mean that God won't hear me next time. John, you might be disappointed with the end of your life, but don't you forget that you wouldn't even have existed if it wouldn't have been for God. Your parents were too old to have children. They didn't even think they were, that, that they were capable of having children. You were born to point people to him. It is the only reason that you have an existence here. Let me let you in on a secret. You were born just to point people to him. That is your reason for existence on this planet. When it's good and when it's bad, when it rains and when it doesn't rain, you're created just to point people to him. And John, you might not like the way that this is going down, but just think about your existence and the reason why I created you. John understood this for most of his life. And so he would say things like, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He would say things like, I'm not the Christ. He made sure everybody understood, I'm not the Christ. He said, I'm not worthy enough to even untie his sandals. That's something that John said, quoted in the Bible. I'm not even worthy enough to, to untie his sandals. He would say things like, he must increase and I must decrease. He would say things like, don't follow me, follow him. 
For most of his life, he got it. You know, one commentary that I read, it offered the reasoning for John's question to Jesus as to if he was the Messiah or not. And, and I have no idea the mindset that John was in, but man, I love how, how the commentator said it. It basically said maybe John wasn't questioning Jesus at all. You have to look at who John sent, the messengers, his disciples, that he said, I need you to go and ask Jesus, are you the Christ or should we keep looking? Some of his disciples had already left him, according to scripture, to follow Jesus. Matter of fact, some of the disciples that were following Christ, a few of the 12, they had already followed John. So some of his disciples had already made that decision to follow Jesus, but there were still a few that were faithful to John. And they're there, they're near his prison cell, and, and he says, I need you to go, and I need you to go ask him, are you the Christ, or should we keep looking? Maybe John just wanted them to hear it from the horse's mouth, or better yet, the lamb's mouth. Maybe he just wanted them to know who to follow once he died. Maybe John wasn't disappointed in God at all. Maybe he just thought, you know, I may die here, but I really do believe that he could get me out, but if he doesn't, I know there's an eternity beyond this. And so you guys, you need to go ask. If you don't buy what's happening, if you don't believe because I'm sitting here behind bars, you go ask him, are you the Christ or should we keep looking? Because he knew that they needed to hear these words for themselves so that they could make a decision to follow Jesus after John dies. Maybe John was preparing them to deal with their own unmet expectations. You know, even in our disappointment with God, we must consider those that are following us. Our, our reaction to disappointment could determine their ability to follow Christ or not. Think about this, mom, dad. Your, your, your ability to bounce back from unmet expectations in your God, it could influence your children on whether or not they will put their trust in Jesus. The way that we respond to life circumstances, even when life lets us down, even when we feel like our God lets us down, the way that we respond can influence those that are following behind us. Two weeks ago, I buried my father. And if you know my dad, you know how wonderful and how kind of a man that he was. Simply put, my dad loved people. He loved people. My dad pastored for 42 years. 42 years he dedicated his life to the cause of Christ. And I'm telling you, there wasn't anything my dad loved more than serving God. He loved being around people and especially family. So when I said that God's disappointed me this month, you can only imagine my unmet expectation as my dad died in a nursing home, COVID positive, and for the past five months couldn't be around friends or family. It doesn't seem fair, does it? That a man that loved people so much and loved his family so much could not not be surrounded as he laid there dying. I was not expecting the week that followed the funeral. 
I thought I was ready. I did. I thought I was ready. I had told Mandy just the week leading into dad's death all the things that I think I was, I was trying to convince myself of, that dad has not had a quality of life with Alzheimer's. And I thought I was prepared, but man, I made it through the funeral and even the day after the funeral and helping mom get through some, some things that needed to be done. And I was in work mode. I was task-driven and I was making it through all of it. But Tuesday morning after my dad's funeral, I woke up and I... I didn't want to get out of bed. It came crashing down on me and I spent the day at home, alone. It's the way I wanted it. And to be very honest with you, I cried most of the day. When I was a kid, I watched my father cry on the day that he buried his father. It didn't affect me as much. Kids are resilient. But I watched my father cry as he buried his father, as he preached the funeral for his father. And then I watched him bounce back. And he continued to serve God and to put his trust in God even when some of his prayers were not being answered. When I was in middle school, I watched my father cry on the day that my, my mom's stepdad, who my dad was very close with, he was also a pastor, and I, I watched him on the day that he died. I watched my father cry. And then I watched him bounce back. I watched my father go through some, some hurt, through things that the average church member would never understand. But as a pastor, having to walk through those things, it crushed him. I would listen to my dad pray during some of those trying seasons. And then I would watch as God didn't answer the prayer according to my dad's standards, the way that he wanted it to be done. But it didn't deter my dad. He kept trusting God. He kept praying. Some people often call my dad optimistic. Dad wasn't optimistic. Dad was full of faith. That even when God disappointed him and did not answer the request the way that my dad wanted him to, my dad kept on keeping on. The older I get, the more I find out that I have some of the sayings that, that dad had. He just kept on keeping on. And now... 45, soon be 46 years old. I realized the example that he set for me. That even when God disappoints you, son, you keep on keeping on. You don't let circumstances 
determine your faith the next time you pray? And just because God didn't see fit to answer it the way that you wanted it to be answered, don't let that discourage you. Don't let that hinder your faith the next time you pray. It's one of the hardest things for us to learn to do, to trust God when we feel like God lets us down. John never questioned Jesus again after that. He stuck to his guns. And he died because of it. But John understood that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He knew that just because it ends here does not mean that it ends there. Jack McKinley knew that. And he trusted him until the day he died. And now he gets to reap the benefits of that faith. God is not obligated to fulfill our request the way we expect him to. That's a genie in a bottle. You only get three with that one. We don't make wishes upon our God. We make requests, petitions. Sometimes they're granted. And sometimes God's got a a better plan even when we don't understand it. That his ways are higher than our ways. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.